0: Today uh, is uh, set aside as the um, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. It's usually the first Sunday in November of every year, and uh, it's a day that churches around the world actually set aside to just help us remember the plight of fellow believers uh, who are under a great deal of persecution in other parts of the world. It's estimated that about 250 million Christians around the world are persecuted each year. And by persecution, um, I'll give you an example of that in a few moments. Uh, Last year, um, as far as they can determine this, 4,000 believers were killed for their faith. And thousands were imprisoned. Um, The country of the world that is the most uh, considered the most dangerous for Christians would be what, what would you guess? China. What? China. China's a a big one. China. Iran. 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 China, 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 Pakistan's bad. The worst one is North Korea. No. Well, you know and it's ama- it, you know who I don't know how you measure that I mean it's all of those places that were mentioned uh, are places where it's illegal to be to convert to Christianity anyway, or to convert others to Christianity. So each year, though, it gets the numbers get higher and higher. Christians have been persecuted from the very beginning of their existence, and we'll see some uh, verses in the Book of Acts. I want to read you though a story of a girl from India. Her name is Poonam. That'll just kind of illustrate for us some of the things when we when we when we use the word persecute. um, uh, The word persecute in the New Testament comes from a word that means to chase or to pursue. And so when we talk about persecution in this context. it will be things that uh, are maybe much more difficult than we experience here. Let me just read this for you. This girl's name is Poonam. When Poonam quietly left Hinduism in 2012, the Bible she obtained instantly became her most prized possession. This young Indian wife and mother of three secretly read God's word in her home each day, growing in her understanding of God's love for her but she feared that her husband would discover her new faith, and he soon did. After hearing her praying a Christian prayer one day, he found her Bible and angrily tore it to pieces. He scolded her and said, from today on, stop reading the Bible, and as long as you live in this house, you better not pray. Punam's husband then beat her, eventually kicked her out of the house, and refused to let her see their young sons and daughter. Her Christian faith cost her everything. In India, where a rise in persecution of Christians has paralleled the rise in Hindu nationalism, Bibles are a precious resource. After losing her Bible and family, Poonam stayed with relatives and prayed for the return of everything she had lost. A pastor and another believer who lived near her relatives visited her regularly to pray with her. One day, they gave her a new Bible. She burst into tears as she received the Bible. Over time, God answered her prayers. He restored her marriage and family. Although her husband has not placed faith in Christ, his heart has softened toward her and toward the Christian faith. He's even attended church a few times to see how Christians worship. She reads and studies God's word using her new Bible, but she can't give up the tattered and torn Bible her husband had tried to destroy. It is, after all, how she first learned about Jesus. She recently told a voice of martyrs worker that Isaiah 41.10 has special meaning for her. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So that's just an example of, when we talk about persecution of Christians in other parts of the world, um, it's things like this. Most of the persecution of Christians comes from people who belong to other religious groups. Um, the, 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 The countries that have the greatest amount of persecution are those who have Um, strong Muslim related governments and in India it's uh, Hindus Uh, in the New Testament it was Jews Jewish people so uh, not not only from religious groups but especially in other parts of the world in our country it's a little different Um, here's, uh, here's an example of kind of the persecution maybe we face this is actually from Canada a teenage Canadian student was suspended for ye- wearing suspended from school for wearing a yellow T-shirt to school that reads "Life is wasted without Jesus." William Swimner, a 19-year-old Nova Scotia resident who attends Forest Heights Community School, was given multiple in-school suspensions for wearing the shirt. Finally, he was handed a five-day out-of-school suspension. <clears throat> And then it goes on to talk about how um, he had some legal aid that come to his defense. But the school board superintendent, in an interview with a Canadian publication, um, explained that he got into trouble due to complaints by peers regarding the content of his, church, of his shirt. She said, I know it's out there that somehow we don't allow religious beliefs in school, which is absolutely false, she said. The only time is when we have students come forward and say, "I really feel this is a criticism of my belief of my beliefs," and that's what happened in this situation. Regarding the issue of offensive content, given the nature of the shirt's message, um, this young man's attorney told the students and the officials of the school who are offended just to get over it. He said, We Canadians offend everybody. Every, we, we Canadians offend each other every day, intentionally and unintentionally. It's a part of living in such a vibrant society. And he said, And for the most part, we Canadians do it well. So, anyway, that's just an example of some of the kinds of things we see in our society. But this morning, we want to especially focus our hearts and minds on those Christians who are. Pain uh, for their faith with their lives. I'd like you to turn to the Book of Acts, chapter 26. <clears throat> As I said before, the word to pers- to persecute comes from a verb that means to pursue or to chase or to drive away. And when we talk about the persecuted church, we're talking about that portion of the church which is suffering greatly because of their faith in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul, as a part of his testimony, speaks about how he himself persecuted the newborn church of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts. And he says in verses 9, 10, and 11, Acts 26, He says, So then, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously engaged at them, I kept pursuing them, even to foreign cities. This is in the very beginning, the very early stages of the church of Jesus Christ. Paul, a religious Jew, felt that he was doing the will of God by persecuting, imprisoning, and killing Christians. And as you go through the book of Acts, the Apostles are the primary targets for the persecution, and I just have kind of a summary here uh, throughout the book of Acts of the different things that happened to them. They were jailed and threatened in Acts chapter four. They were arrested and flogged in Acts chapter five. They were falsely accused in Acts six. Stephen was put to death in Acts seven in acts 8 they were scattered and driven out of their homes to outlying areas because of the persecution regarding stephen in acts 12 james was beheaded by king herod in acts 12 peter was a pri- is imprisoned in acts 13 paul is driven away 14 he's stoned and left for dead 16 he's beaten and thrown in prison and in chapter 28 at the very end of the book of Acts Paul spends the last few years of his life under house arrest in Rome throughout the history of the church of Jesus Christ believers in Christ have been persecuted and not because of their bad behavior but simply because of their proclamation that Jesus Christ is the savior from sin the causes of persecution what causes persecution what provokes it let's use that word what provokes persecution thinking through the book of acts now what what is it that the christians did that so provoked persecution What? Offense. They gave offense, right? They yeah, they offended him. How did they offend him? By preaching the truth. By preaching the truth, the truth of God's word, the truth about Jesus Christ, and it was offensive to them. They were offended. You know what the word offend? Uh, well, it does. I guess it's actually a word that means to scandalize, to <coughs> offend. They so were offended that they wanted to put the apostles to death. And what offended them? The message of the cross of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 13, 49, it says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews aroused the devout women of prominence and leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. What provoked that persecution? The word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region. In Acts 14, it came about that in Iconium they entered a synagogue of the Jews and spoke in such a manner that a great multitude believed, both of Jews and Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. It's another factor that when Christianity begins to spread and people get saved out of their old religions or belief systems, that there's a reaction against the leaders of those groups that were once uh, held those people in bondage. Acts 17. Uh, 12. Many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men, but when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul and Berea also, they came there likewise, agitating and stirring up the crowds. These examples in the book of Acts basically follow this pattern. The believers go into an area and they begin to to preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It offends those who hear, especially among the Jewish uh, party, uh, because the declaration of the cross of Jesus Christ is basically um, a declaration of his resurrection. But it's also a declaration that they had crucified their own Messiah. And that was not words that they wanted to hear. Let's go to Jesus. Why was he persecuted? Well, let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 7. We're just going to spend a little bit of time in different parts of the Gospel of John. But let's start there. John 7, verse 7. Jesus says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. So why was Jesus hated by the people in Israel? For telling, the truth. For telling the truth. About what? What was the truth that he's telling them? Their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil. In man, John 3.19, Jesus says... Um, that men, he came as light into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I mean, let's be honest. Nobody likes to be told that what you're doing is evil. Uh, We all react to that in most cases. It says about men in the last days that they are going to Hate what is good. They're going to be mockers against the name of Jesus Christ. It's always been that way, and it will be that way until the return of the Lord. Turn with me to John 15, where Jesus, in meeting with his 11 apostles in the upper room in John chapter 15, he's preparing them for his departure. So, on Wednesday night, we've been studying this passage, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. That whole section occurs in the upper room during the period of the Last Supper. And Jesus is announcing to his disciples, I'm going away. And they don't understand it. They don't know where he's going. They don't know why. And he's preparing them for his departure. And he prepares for them... He, he prepares them in a number of ways, but the most significant one is he lets them know that after he leaves, they're going to experience the same kind of persecution he did. But even though he leaves, he's going to send back to them the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 15, let's start with verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. Because they do not know the one who sent me. So here we have a promise that the Lord gives to believers. You know what the promise is? The world's going to hate you. That's the promise. When Paul was confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul was actually persecuting the church. He was putting believers in prison. But when Jesus confronted him on the road, do you remember what Jesus said to him? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. From that point on, the Lord opened Paul's eyes, changed his heart, gave him his spirit, and Paul became one of the most powerful Voices for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the world persecutes the church, they do so because they hate Jesus. Even though they don't recognize that, they probably would not acknowledge that. But that's what Jesus says. If they hated you, it's because they hate me. If they persecute you, it's because they persecuted me. Paul says in Acts 14.22, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. He says in 2 Timothy 3.12, and indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So persecution is nothing new. It ought not surprise us. It's a part of who we are. Now that 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus Will be persecuted. So I won't ask for it, but if we were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus? I'm assuming most or all of us would raise our hands. But the Lord says, if that is your desire, you will be persecuted. Persecution comes in many forms, but again, it's provoked by the same thing. It's provoked by our relationship with Jesus Christ. Peter says, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fire ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as so some strange thing were happening to you. Now, when we are persecuted, um, if you are persecuted, what should you do? Let's just, let's just kick that around for a minute. What should you do? Let's count it a blessing and let's pray for those who persecute us and those who do us wrong or spitefully use us. Okay. I think that's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's not to do unless you're enveloped with the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in your own power. That's right. That's right. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Love your enemies. That's all a part of uh, Jesus' uh, directions in Luke chapter 6. Okay, that's one thing you can do. Another thing you can do, you can flee. Uh, The disciples did that. The apostles did that. Paul was driven from one city to the next. The difference is, wherever they went, wherever they fled, they just kept on preaching the gospel. So, that's another thing. The flight maybe moved them out of an area to another area, but wherever they went... They just kept on preaching the gospel. We're called upon to keep on when we're persecuted. When you go through the book of Acts and and even the history of the church, when the church of Jesus Christ is persecuted, when individuals believers in Jesus Christ are persecuted they grow it's an amazing thing it's a miraculous thing that the harder the world tries to stomp out the presence of the church in the name of Jesus Christ the stronger it grows it's it's believed that one of the strongest fastest growing churches in the world is in China which is a nation that has laws against Christianity. And the believers there have to meet underground. And some of the churches that have been above ground, they've confiscated and or destroyed. And the church is growing there by the millions. And as individual believers, as we proclaim the name of Christ and experience the reaction of the world because of it. And we persevere, we grow too. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter one. I'll just read a couple verses here. This is, this, here's a question to think about, okay. Now, nobody likes to suffer so, why, why should we do it? Why should we? Why should we? It hurts. It's painful. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 8. Paul's speaking to Timothy. This is Paul's last letter that he wrote. He's writing it to Timothy. Uh, it appears that it's written uh, in light of his impending death. He's preparing Timothy for what he's going to face, and here's his instruction to Timothy in verses 8 through 12. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul was not ashamed of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For many of you who kind of grew up and helped in our Awana program a number of years ago, the key verse in Awana is 2 Timothy 2.15. Sharon, can you... Be diligent. Second Timothy two fifteen. Be diligent to present yourself. Yeah, you're right. Approved unto God, as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Okay, the world is going to try and shame us. All right, and let, let's face it. Uh, what what is this shame? What is shame? What if you get shamed? What is that to you? What is it? Shamed. Read. Shame is when you make somebody feel worth less than they actually are. Worth less than they actually are. Okay, that's shaming. And aren't there cultures that have that as a kind of a characteristic? Shaming. A shaming is also something where, um, read, read is accurate with that uh, assessment. There, there's an embarrassment to it as well, in many cases. If you feel ashamed, it's a, if if it's the feeling that you have, it's kind of a feeling of embarrassment. Um, and Paul says in Romans 1.16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ why not because it is the power of God and salvation to all those who believe Paul says I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ he says I know whom I believed and I'm convinced that whatever I entrust to him he is able to keep until that day. And so as we as we consider believers in other parts of the world we need to remember to pray for them. Do you know how you, here's how you escape the suffering that comes From persecution. Silence. That's how you escape it. When Peter and the Apostles Peter and John were first arrested in Acts 4 and then in Acts 5, what the Jewish priest wanted from them was just one thing. They said, we command you to speak no longer in this name. You can talk about anything else you want. Just don't talk about Jesus. Do you need to answer that, Kirby? No? Okay. All right. Uh. Silence. It is the name and the proclamation of Jesus Christ that provokes the persecution and if people don't hear about it they're okay with it but once it's put out there then there's a reaction and in some countries the action is the reaction is you get killed or you get thrown in a prison or you lose your home or your family over here it may be um, being expelled from school, or, uh, you know, being arrested for hate speech. That's the newest one. Suffering is escaped by silence. But silence is what dooms the lost. And from time to time we've said and we've heard that, um, I can't remember how this goes, something about, um, it ends with, and if necessary, use words. What what is that? I'm trying to remember the whole thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, oh, Susan? Okay, would you look that up for me so I don't appear completely half-witted up here. And turn to Hebrews 3.13 while we're clarifying that. Hebrews 3.13, and and we'll just use this as an introduction to a prayer time. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Okay. That's it, thank you. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Well, I understand what the thinking is behind that. But the reality of it is, if you're going to preach the gospel, you have to use words. Just a good moral lifestyle, as as you appear in the presence of other people, doesn't really cause them to make the connection to the gospel of Jesus Christ, necessarily. I mean, let's face it. There's lots of good people that live good lives that are very generous, helpful, loving, all of that. But at some point, the gospel has to be communicated. Now, the idea behind that saying is if you're gonna present the gospel, you've gotta have a lifestyle to back it up that's consistent. Because if it's not consistent and you come across as hypocritical, Then your very message becomes suspect. But one of the reasons that some Christians never face persecution and other Christians do is the issue of silence. Because we are afraid, we are afraid, or we are ashamed, and we are unwilling. To suffer for the name of Christ and and so um, and and that you know in other parts of the world um, their suffering is to a much greater degree than ours and so we, we support Sarah Adams in West Asia, and Sarah is an American over there translating the Bible into, and this is a, um, a Muslim nation. And she can't, and wisely so, she can't go out into the street corners and simply begin proclaiming the gospel. I mean, she could, but she would probably be either imprisoned. Or, I don't know, if she'd be killed. She'd certainly be, not exported. What do you call that when you get kicked out of a country? Deported. (laughs) All right, let's see. Import, export, deport. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Um, And even the apostles, they took their own safety into account. And there were some places where it was hostile, so they just went somewhere else. They didn't always make a stand that cost them their life. But the thing is, they just kept right on naming the name of Jesus. And in Hebrews 3.13, just this one verse. Um. (laughs) Well, this is a good verse. It's just not the one I wanted. But (laughs) let's read it anyway. But encourage one another day after day, day after day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now if you would turn to Hebrews 13.3. Seems like I did this last week too. Okay. And the bottom line question is this. Is the honor of the name of Jesus Christ worth suffering for? I mean that's really what will motivate us is the Lord Jesus Christ of such high honor that I would be willing to lay down my life and I realize it you know it it takes something to get to that point but that's the question that we need to consider is the Lord Jesus Christ of such great value to me that I am willing to be persecuted for that name? Hebrews 13.3 Hebrews Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. And so I just wanted to use that verse as just maybe a good impetus to us to remember the prisoners who are in prison. These are, there, are, there are thousands of Christians imprisoned in all parts of the world. Some of them simply because they are believers in Jesus Christ. And their prison terms are 10, 15, 20 years simply because they refused to deny the name of Jesus Christ. And while we're over here and we enjoy the freedoms of our faith in this, in this culture and society. We have a tendency to forget. That there are tens of thousands of other believers. In other parts of the world. Who. Who for this gal I read about initially, for whom the presence of the word of God is their greatest treasure. And so the Lord's blessed the church in the U.S. with an abundance of resources in terms of just material resources. But the greatest thing that we can do for Christians in other parts of the world who are truly paying a cost for their faith is to pray for them. And I'm afraid quite often that's one of the least things that we do. But it's one of the most powerful things that we can do. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are also in the body.